Too late. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hello, friends. How are you? We're back as promised. A couple of things. First thing is, yes, I did put contacts in my eyes before you come for me because I was feeling like being different today and just experimenting. You're always different. I know. And then I I had on my Carmen's, I had my hat on and my friends make fun of this hat all the time. They call it my Carmen San Diego hat. And I was like, I didn't even know who Carmen San Diego was. So I was you like, You didn't well, know who that was? No, I didn't. But they they Where say, in the world is Carmen San Diego? I don't know. Here, apparently. Yeah. So then I thought, well, that's appropriate because I think Carmen San Diego, after I Googled, is a detective. Mm -hmm. And kind of that's what you need to be if you're going to figure out today addict manipulation. Mm. That's the conversation that we're going to have to do with you today. So welcome. Hello. That was such a good setup. <laughs> Teed that right up. That's impressive. Good, nice job. I've been doing, I've been doing this for a little while. I, mm, I know. <laughs> so it's great to but see. But you got to add the. If you like this, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and oh, share ahead, this with friends that. and yeah, families. It that. does help. And comment. It helps the yeah, channel. You know who does it? that? Our daughter knows how to do that. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Okay, so um, we are Doug and Heidi McGurk. Uh, we have been mostly happily married. Mostly, right? No, mostly married or mostly happily. <laughs> We're going on 15 years together. Mostly married. And because uh, right? we've been married 10. That's true. And so we uh, together, uh, Doug came from a background of Tony Robbins. He worked with Tony Robbins for many years. He comes from a personal development background, hypnotherapy, neurolinguistic programming, did a lot of studying and has it has that kind of um, the personal development perspective. Uh, to add to recovery, which is a really uh, like a breath of fresh air because in the recovery space, it's needed. And so much so that Doug was recruited to teach at one of the world's leading drug and alcohol treatment centers for about a decade with myself as a partner, where we taught some of the personal development tools and techniques that, that we've known and incorporated them into the recovery space. So you're in really good hands. We've helped thousands of addicts and alcoholics be well and certainly hundreds of families on the course. And that's really who we're talking to today. We're talking to those of you in particular who are in relationship with an addict or an alcoholic. So it's it, the advice I think is a little different for parents sometimes, although- um, There's crossover. There's crossover, yeah. but I think, yeah, it's it's not that different, but I know as a spouse, you feel different than a different. parent. The yeah. experience is very different than a parent. And so we want to speak to the spouses, to the partners. And so well, you notice it's a different level of vulnerability. Like when you're with a parent, if you have a, a child who's struggling or vice versa, because of the dynamic of the relationship, the approach and everything is different. When you're with a loved one, it's just so much more charged in so many ways because there's a another. Well, level I think of yeah, we, we especially if it's sex addiction or something yeah. like that, then it's a whole nother opening. So we're gonna unpack some lies, some some addict manipulation today. And when I say addict manipulation, what we really need to understand is addiction has a native tongue, it has its own language, and if you do not understand that language, and you do not speak it fluently. You will be lost. You'll be upset. You will be overwhelmed. You'll feel abused, used. You'll be blindsided. You'll be blindsided. So we want to teach you the language of addiction and what it, and manipulation, which which the language is the language of lies. And it's hard to hear the lie from the truth. It's very hard to distinguish, and that's why it's so important that 
you get this kind of master class on, is that a lie or is that the truth? Again, sometimes it sounds like it's true because you want to believe it. You want to believe it. But when you don't want to believe it, you're like, that's a lie. Well, and and also (laughs) one of the things to, to really bear in mind is when someone is active, they're in survival mode. So they're willing to do, say anything, and they know you. They're brilliant. So they know how to twist those screws. They know how to push those buttons. And they're, they're really become, they become experts at that language because they are in survival mode. Yeah. So, and that's a very compassionate view, which I like. And that's, that's well, what it's, under, it's, it's my understanding. Yeah, exactly. Very good. So one of the lies that an addict or an alcoholic tells that we get sucked into a lot because we want to believe it is it goes like this. Um, I've learned my lesson. All right. So this lie, I've learned my lesson is often said at the very end of an episode, right? Something went crazy. You, they see that you're, you've had it. Okay. They, they, the jig is up and they know it. And so their response to that is, oh my God, that was, I agree. That was so bad. I flipped a car. I yelled at the kids. I got a DUI. I went to the hospital or whatever it is. Yeah. That's what it took. Now I've learned it. I've learned my lesson. And so that's, you know, that to a normal person, you're like, thank God, no shit. You learned your lesson because to you, you have a normal functioning brain. So it's like, okay, well, that sounds, that sounds right. I mean, that's how, that's not a lie. I mean, look what happened. Of course they learned their lesson. So you feel this way or you think this way because when you're a child and you put your hand on a hot stove, okay, you learn your lesson by getting burned, right? And we all know that. We're all taught that like, well, I and I think there have even been times with Elevy where you'd be like, well, let her do it. Yeah. Let her let her crash down. Let her, I don't know, put the scissor in her eye. I mean, no, I don't I know. I never said no, scissor just, in the eye, kidding. but I'm yes, I, I have. We wouldn't, so you, we the both sort of watched it and right? said, okay, you know, we're going to let her figure it out. And obviously we're there to support, but yeah. We're, right. So we want to believe. You don't let her run with this. Right. We want to believe as a family member that they have learned their lesson because they finally put the hand on the stove and they, and they've learned. And a lot of traditional um, counselors, addiction counselors will tell you that, you know, you can't keep removing consequences from people. They need to feel the consequences of their behavior, feel the consequences of their behavior. But this is a very paradoxical idea because in fact, the piece, the part of the brain that is responsible for linking up consequences in addiction is broken. And so putting their hand on a hot stove, one would think would do it. But if you're an addict or an alcoholic, you, the addiction is, and I got burned. And so what? And I keep going back. I was just going to say, it's a good time for a commercial because in the the holiday survival toolkit, one of the things included is, is, oh, by the way, this is brought to you by the holiday survival toolkit, uh, which you could go to heidirain.com or holiday survival toolkit.com. But the reason why I say that is we, the family program that we did for hundreds and hundreds of families is included in that we recorded it. And one of the the premier things, the most valuable things you'll get in there is what Heidi's talking about. She teaches 
how that part of the brain actually breaks and, and gives you the science behind it. So you can really understand what happens when what she just said, when the consequence part is not connected. And I think it's a really valuable understanding. When you talk about compassion, you go, aha, aha. So, so, very good. So what does that mean in, in for you in real life when this happens, when they say they've learned their lesson? Because you know this is truth, right? Because you can look at your own life experiences and go, yes, Heidi, I see that because they've learned their lesson about 5,000 times. You know, they've said to you this many times and you thought this was going to be the time or this was going to be the time. So just know that learning, if, if I put my hand on a stove, I can learn that that burns. But if I have a compulsion to touch the oven, no matter what, it's that's the impulse that I need to work on, not the behavior of touching the oven. It's all the other things that are happening with me psychologically that know that that's bad for me, but yet I'm still attracted and compelled to do it. And that's addiction recovery. So an epiphany, ooh, that hurts, is not going to stop somebody from continuing down the road. So what I mean is the epiphany is the starting point, not the finish line. All right. So when somebody says, I've had, I've had enough, never again. The next follow-up question is, how can I support you in making that real? What can I do to support you? What, what do you need from me in order to help you? Would you like to help me to find, help you find a treatment center? You know, and, and the other thing is we get confused because when we're in Al-Anon and things like that, we learn, well, it's not my job to fix it. I, you know, and I can't, but, but here's the thing. You, you don't have control over this, but you have more influence than you know. And what that means is when somebody says, I've learned my lesson, you cannot then expect this person to get on a Google search and figure out where they're going to go and go into treatment. Treatment requires handholding. Treatment requires a, a push. Well, uh, because when they're saying I've learned my lesson, they're saying that so they don't have to go to treatment. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> Bing. They're like, no, no, no. I, I learned my lesson. It's never going to happen right. again. They're I mean, saying oh. that to manipulate you. So the proper response to that is great. I'm I'm glad that you've that that's set in for you. What's next? What's your next steps? And if it's not getting treatment <laughs> or something, I, mean, I guess it's there's different levels here, but it, it there's there's a a lot of other recognition besides oh I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. How else do you get manipulated? Let's pretend we woke up in the morning. And I had a bender. <sighs> this is like one eye. I'm going to look over and like see what he's doing to see like how as the addict or alcoholic to see like how apologetic I should be or what I should do. I'm going to look over at him and see what kind of mood he's in. This is codependency 101. And then dictate how I need to behave in order to placate his upsetness. So here's one of the ways. Ready? I know I am the biggest piece of shit in the world. I cannot believe that I did that to you. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I don't know how you put up with me. Honestly, I don't know how you put up with me. I can't believe all the things that I put you through and you're just such a fucking angel to me and I ruin it all the time and I just can't stop myself from doing it. It's like, I want to so badly, but I don't know how you put up with me. I just love you so much. I'm so sorry. Boom. Boom. 
I could feel like an asshole in the morning. Okay. I, well, I very likely do. I very likely don't. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, oh, I know over. you're thinking I, yeah, I feel like crap. But again, an addicted brain doesn't recognize it's like a narcissistic issue. Like you want a narcissist to see the error of their ways, just like you want an alcoholic to see the error of their ways. What they lack in addiction is like narcissism. It lacks the empathy chip, man, but it'll use it. It'll use that empathy chip to manipulate you to shut up and move along. All right. So I get up. I'm so sorry. I feel terrible. I, I just want to beat myself up before you can. You know that move, right? You've seen well, this Well, it also move. becomes part of the abusive pattern where you're getting off on that as well. Boom. Well, we're booming a lot today. How are you I'm feeling about yourself? I, I'm just playing along. You're booming along. All right. So, yes. What does Doug get addicted to in the morning? It's like, you know, the most, like, like listen, the most addictive thing in the world and, and research and scientists know this, how to get you addicted. It's not stability. It's not predictability. Oh, I can count on this thing. I know it's like, you know, we're not addicted to the things that we can count on that are predictable. It's too boring. The biggest reward and human, the biggest addiction is intermittent reward. What that means is sometimes I get a good person and sometimes I don't. Sometimes you're nice and sometimes you're mean. You're a Jekyll and you're a Hyde. And you know who counts on that? Casinos. Ding, ding, ding. I pull down the thing. I get the little lines. And sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. Facebook. I scroll. I pull down the thing. Sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. And boy, when I get a hit, oh, I got a good one. And I don't. let swipe. You know, when he wakes up in the morning with an adrenaline alcoholic and I go, I'm sorry. Ding, 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 ding. And other mornings when I say, well, what are you looking at? Leave me alone go get out of here. It's like, he didn't get it next morning. Sorry. Ding, ding, ding. So what happens is you get addicted to the apology instead of looking for the change. Or it could be even addicted to then the fight. Don't get well. addicted to the apology. Yeah. Be looking for the change. Yeah. Well, you didn't boom me because I feel like you, that well, was like a, that was like a, that like was like a walking nuclear bomb going on all the time. I, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you not mic drop. Okay, Doug. I mean, I know I'm gonna let you out of this one, but it's true. That's a that's a good. It's true. Tell me, it's not true, friends watching this. You wouldn't be watching this and tuning in if she was not dropping the 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 knowledge bombs and you getting like hit by shrapnel like all the time and then nuclear fallout of wisdom because you're chewing on it when you leave. You're like. Hmm, something you said, and then it just clicks into you later. How many times you've been driving along and then gone, ah, oh, now I see an even deeper like aspect of truth to what the truth bomb that Heidi just dropped. Okay, well, you drove that home, you dig a, dug that a grave, and you buried it. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, another one that families we would hear all the time in treatment. Uh, when, when we're running the family program, they say things like, oh my God, I'm so relieved. Like you're, you're the counselor. And I go, oh my God, I'm, I'm so relieved. What he said was these magic words that I've been waiting to hear my whole entire life. He said, I don't even want to drink. He doesn't Phew, even want it anymore. Finally. He doesn't even want it. Well, we're done here now. We're done. And you know what else he said, which I've been praying for? I've been praying for my whole life. He said, God healed me. He found the Lord. He's delivered. 
Now, are we making fun of religion? Yes, but not spirituality. Okay, because here's what happens. No, we're not making fun of religion. We're not making fun of anything. But we're pointing out the craziness when we get sucked into believing. Does God do miracles? Absolutely. Okay. If you believe that. Now, something wonderful. like that, it would have to take some time for you to know. But what happens is God can perform a miracle and the spiritual will open the doors, but your humanity must walk the walk yep. because you are still fully human. So even if somebody says, God, heal me, you say, great. Now, I still have to walk in that healing every day. I still have to do the damn thing. I still have to work on myself. I still have to, you know, when I decided to quit drinking, I woke up one morning after a particular bender. We were together about a year and I was a binge drinker. And I woke up in the morning. What are you? You reliving the stress? Yeah. You all right? I'll be all right. Okay. I was just remembering that moment. Oh, all right. So I had like a whole big, huge bottle of wine. That was my drug of choice was wine. And I mixed it with like Ativan or Xanax or whatever it was. And I would take a bath and just like, you know, I, I don't even know what the hell I was doing. I mean, You're honestly, just no kidding. No kidding. Um, but so I... I'd had lots of other things happen. And we're going to talk about this in another episode, but I've had a lot of other things happen that should have been the bottom, right? That should have been, but bottoms of that, there's no bottom. Okay. But I, but one morning I woke up and I looked over at Doug and I said, and this is going to bring home the point of, I don't even want to drink today or want to use today, or I'm not, God healed me. I looked over at my, my boyfriend at the time. And I said, I have my last drink. I'm done. And I waited for whatever he was going to say. And he literally just looked at me and he goes, let me know what I can do to support you. He didn't try to fix it. He didn't try to run to the rescue and figure everything out. He said, let me know, know what I need to do to support you. And I, and we use our personal development. I use my personal development skills. I didn't want to do like a traditional route for me. That wasn't the path. AA, it didn't resonate with me. I wanted to rewrite my identity. I did not want an identity of an alcoholic. I feel like being an alcoholic would be hard. I feel like if you're an alcoholic, you want to drink all the time. I feel like if you're an alcoholic, you have to work really hard so that you don't drink. And I wanted to be a non-drinker. I didn't want to have to work that hard. I tell my friends all the time, like I would see people in these meetings and I would think, I went one time, but I would hear things about meetings where somebody would be like, oh, it's been 30 years and by the grace of God, I didn't drink today. And Lord, have, and I'd be like, if that's the life, if I'm 30 years now, trying not to drink i'd rather be drunk there was one, I, I swear to god yeah. i i would rather be drunk i don't want it to be that hard there's one person who came in she uh came to speak at the center and she sits there she you know sits down she's got the chair and and she just she she moped in it wasn't even like you know she kind of, she sits down she's like well i don't have a job i can't get employed no one will hire me and I don't have any friends except for some people in the program. This was an inspirational story, by the way. Yeah. To inspire our clients. And uh, so I go to three meetings a day and life is hard. But <coughs> at least I didn't drink today. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, that's, that's not a life. I mean, for us, one of the reasons we came into the treatment center was because we we know that the push of pain will get somebody into treatment. You know, that life is hard. Life sucks. I don't, I'm not able to take care of myself or my family the way that I want to. But if you don't have the pull of purpose, a reason to stay sober, 
you'd rather be asleep, yeah. you know? So for us, it's creating a life that's so fired up. It's so compelling. It's so beautiful that you don't, you don't want to fuck it up. You want to be awake for it. Make your life so amazing that you don't want to sleepwalk through it. You want to be wide awake in a life. And so that's, so for me, I believed that God would heal me. I believe that I would be, you know, um, that I could be a non-drinker. I could change my identity, but I didn't miss a, the step of my participation in my own recovery and healing process. So from then on, then I got to work. Then I started to rebuild my life in a way of with sobriety and re-identify how I saw things and thought. And that takes a lot of effort, you know? And, and by the way, I just didn't. Just so God healed to... me. And then, and then what? Right. And well, right. Anna, but that's, by the way, that's what we want for you. If you're a loved one dealing with someone struggling with addiction, we want you to have the same freedom, the same, not be sucked into having to navigate so painfully and struggle through it. That's the whole purpose of like the work that we're doing here is to have you have a life that's so compelling. It's so amazing. This volume so is really low. You see how it's not. I don't know. It's all right. I was a little late to change it now. <laughs> <laughs> Another th way that you get manipulated into lies. Okay, so so far, just to recap, we've talked about understanding that addiction speaks in the language of lies. It's hard to delineate a lie from the truth when you want to believe what's being said. And when you want to believe, I'm done, I, I, I'm doing better today, I, I don't even want to drink, uh, you want to believe it, you get sucked into that manipulation versus I'm really glad you're feeling that way today. And what? Now what? It's not like, oh, thank God that's over with. I don't even want to drink today is a fleeting moment in time. There will be times when your loved one wants to drink so bad, their skin's going to fall off their corpse. And they want to drink so bad. It's in that moment. We just want to drink in this moment. So, really. so great. Awesome. But that doesn't mean that you just don't work or don't do what you need to do. Another thing is you get manipulated where somebody says, I'm just going to do it my way. Um, you don't really understand. I'm not like everybody else. And, and I know I can, you know, when I said I don't want to do AA, that doesn't mean that I don't have a recovery program. That doesn't mean that I don't have a plan. Uh, there are many, many roads to Rome and your loved one can have many options to get better, many different options. By the way, if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and you're feeling like, man, this is a lot of information, it's really good, but it's a lot, um, just know that we've created a holiday survival bundle for you. And we have priced it so that is affordable for the holidays. Um, and really, you can't afford not to, no matter what it is, honestly. It's just life-changing information. And so you get the family program, which is the whole entire weekend of our weekend seminar. You get hours of bonus coaching content where you're going to be able to hear other family members share and get the feedback in real time. All of the quick question and answer coaching sessions that you see in this course are added manipulation, getting sucked back in, setting and holding boundaries. I mean, really that alone is, is priceless, but we gave you more. Uh, my husband's a hypnotherapist and there are um, hypnotherapy sessions in there included that you can listen to self-hypnosis so you can have less anxiety over the holidays, feel calmer, get some sleep, restore some peace. He also included his Mastering Emotions workshop. It's a program, a whole entire course. I mean, and I included my Boundaries with an Addict or an Alcoholic four-part course. So, I mean, look at all of the things you're getting. I think the 
the investment for that is less than 500, 500 bucks. I mean, it's crazy. So go over to HeidiRain.com and grab it because after Christmas, it goes away. And then we go back to our regular investment. So if you've ever thought about it, go ahead and, and grab it. Do, do it now. One of the things that you can be manipulated by is when somebody guilts you into saying you, you're a bad person for not sticking with somebody who is hurting. And, and if you are religious or spirit, more religious and spiritual, you know you can get very sucked into this belief that it's your duty, that God has a calling on you to suffer, that you're supposed to be in this relationship and you can't leave them because they're hurt and you're the... You right, to, your happiness needs to come second. Your you have to sacrifice your sanity for your loved ones. Or to believe that, uh, and the lie that you're believing when you get manipulated is, I'm the only one they have. I'm the only one that can count. And you really do believe this because you look at their family and you look at their life, and they're like, I am all they got. Hide. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone else that's said, uh, okay, I can't. I'm not doing it anymore. And and it does seem like that. So even if that's true. Let's pretend for a minute that's true. Let's say you're right. Susan, you're the only one they have, okay? You're it. You're the only person that's going to be there for them. So how dare you leave them at their absolute worst? How could you possibly do that? What you need to know and understand and not be manipulated by the story anymore is you're the last person they should go to for help in the first place. You are not in a position to help your loved one recover. You're not a treatment center. You're not a drug and alcohol counselor. You are not a sober coach. You are not a halfway house. You are not a therapist. And even if you are, which we have a lot of therapists and a lot of psychologists and a lot of drug and alcohol counselors in our courses, why would a psychologist purchase my course? Don't they know this stuff already? Don't they know how to help? Why would a drug and alcohol counselor purchase the course? Because you can't be a prophet in your own land. You can know as much as you can possibly know about anything, but when you have a blind spot, because love is blind, and what? you have a skewed version in your mind, which you'll be able to tell your friends what to do, but you can't do that when it comes to yourself. Well, and, and also when you're with your loved one, you're not, you are a husband, a wife or, or whatever, you're not the counselor and it actually creates another level of like depolarization and, and it's, it's just, it's too close. So it's really, the, the goal here is for you to step out of counselor role, out of therapy role and be into just the husband, wife, lover role. Erica, if you're asking where can I get? I think your thing got cut off. If you're talking about the course, the all the three or four courses I just mentioned that are right now for you over at HeidiRain.com, H-E-I-D-I-R-A-I-N.com. And I just want to encourage you, if you're thinking at all about getting these resources and pouring, you have hours and hours of coaching content over there. You've got all the Q&A calls, recorded Q&A calls, live, you know, calls. I mean, just it's it's beyond uh, anything. I mean, you'll, ha you'll be covered if you get that. It's almost too good to be true. Is it? <laughs> so it's a lot. I, th I think that, you know, you can get sucked into that lie of you're the only one they have. And here's just what I want you to remember. If that's the thing, you shouldn't be the only one they have. If you're the only one they have, they're in trouble, not because you're not awesome, but because you are not equipped and qualified for this role. And they need a whole team of people around them in order to be well. And then you just get to be the wife or husband again. 
You just get to be the partner again. You don't have to be the treatment center as well. The other thing they tell you is, you know, I want to try it my way first. Let me do it my way. And I always say, listen, I, we, we do a lot of sessions one-on-one uh, where we do strategy sessions to try to get people into treatment. And we have a very high success rate with that. And nine times out of 10, they always say, I want to do this on my own first. I want to try my way. I say, fine, you know, hey. And if after two weeks you're struggling, that'll be a good sign you need more support, right? Yes, they agree. We say, okay, great. And then plan B, plan A is your plan. Let's see, let's see how that goes. Plan B is if plan A doesn't work, then we get you into treatment. And we've gotten so many people into treatment that way. But what they'll say to you is things like, you don't trust me. And make that like a, you're a you thing. You know, It's your fault because you don't trust me. And if you trusted me more, it's almost like when somebody says, if you accuse me of cheating, I might as well do it. Right. Maybe you've heard that before. Well, if you're going to accuse me of something, I might as well. I I did the time. Might as well do the crime. Right. You know, and that's a very that's a very dangerous manipulation that you should trust me because you are a loving person. And when you hear that, it rings a little true. Maybe I do need to trust. And you Google, how do I build trust? How do I restore trust? How do I trust an alcoholic? How do I trust an addict? But here's what I want. you. I want you to know whenever that lie comes into your awareness and that belief or that thought crops up for you, I want you to I want you to retort this way. When somebody says, you need to trust me, and say, I would love to trust you, and I will trust you whenever I can see that you can be trusted with your own best interests at heart, then I'll know that I can trust you with my best interests at heart. You cannot trust an addict or an alcoholic because trust is built on the notion that I have your back. I'm here to support you. I have your best interests at heart. I know how what's going to support you and encourage you, but an addict can't even support and trust. I'll trust you. I'll trust you not to hurt me when you can trust yourself not to hurt yourself. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Was that a mic drop? Yeah. I'll trust you when you can trust you not to hurt yourself. Then I'll say, well, maybe you won't hurt me if you don't hurt yourself. But right now it's like a mirror effect. All they can do to you is what they're doing to themselves and they can't see what they're doing to themselves. So they cannot see what they're doing to you. Do you see how crazy this merry-go-round is? It's like you're on a racehorse to prove the truth, but you're on a merry-go-round and it goes nowhere. You're like, I'm a horse ahead. Now I'm a horse behind. I mean, it just, it doesn't work. (laughs) Well, and I'm, my hallucination is, is that you probably my felt hallucination that way. Is. Yeah, my hallucination is that you probably felt that way, that there's been a roller coaster, that there's been that one step forward, two steps back, that there's been those moments that they've said what you wanted to see, say and, and, and you felt what you wanted to feel and you go, oh, we have some progress and oh yeah, they're really getting it. And that's the manipulation. And then you get the dopamine rush, you feel good for a moment and then you step back a little bit and there's a, something in your gut that goes, something's not right, but I want to trust. I, I want to. And then falls flat again. Yeah. And, oh, Erica, our pleasure, honey. And uh, Crunchy Mama, <laughs> Crunchy Mama, I love Crunchy Mama, says, it's the lies that ruin it all. Years of deception cannot be undone. Forgiveness is one thing, but the doubt is too much. Thank you for all you do. Yeah, I mean, doubt is... It, this is an inside job for when an addict or alcoholic says that you need to trust me, it's, 
it's a false sense of trust where I'm codependent. If you believe in me, then I can believe in me, right? That That's what an addict or alcoholic says. Well, if you don't believe in me anymore, then how am I going to believe in me? If you just think I'm going to screw up and you're not supporting me, then how can I believe in me if you don't believe in me? Um, and that's a manipulation. Uh, you believe in what's true. You're a truth seeker. You're a truth teller. You believe in, in what you see. And you also know that the belief that the addict or alcoholic needs is not your belief. It's a deeper belief that they need. It's a belief outside of you. It's a belief outside of themselves. It's something else outside of themselves that they can reach onto and borrow that belief and cultivate their own faith. But what they're doing is making you God. And, and hey, if you believe in me, I'll get better. If you trust me, I'll get better. And if you're responsible for their success, then you're also responsible for their failure. And that's a lie. You're not responsible. You are not responsible for somebody else's recovery, but you are accountable to yourself and your children to make wise choices. And, and that's that was another mic. It joke. was. Okay, sorry. We need a oh. pregnant pause after. Sorry. sorry. Okay. Pregnant pause. Because that that made me really think of Did like yeah, because it was so powerful and profound. <laughs> it's true. Is that the see now got lost? See, it was so powerful, darn, it blew out darn. the thought out of my head. It'll come back perhaps. But it was right. something about how they're going by them doing the work and you doing the work. What's going to happen is they're going to build that trust within themselves. They're going to have those confidence builders. They're going to be able to recognize that they can do it and that they can connect to their higher power or whatever language you use for that, that you can have that faith. And, and that's the dance because there's there has to be an element of letting go, even though we're fearful. And that's another kind of faith, that faith that they're going to be able to figure it out. And yet we want to be sure they're in the right environment to have that extra support that it's not leaning on you. Yeah. For that. And, and it's not rocket science. Right. You know, I always joke around that I have a crystal ball, you know, and I have this around here because I've gotten really good at predicting what's going to happen next. And I know that part of that's like childhood ninja skills, you know what I mean? Of like chaos and dysfunction. Like, what's trauma. next? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but it, made. it created that crystal created ball. Crystal ball. Um, but I've, I've, really hone that ability to see. So if you're curious about, well, what would that look like? You know, um, you can do one of two things. You can get the survival kit over at HeidiRain.com, which has all of our programs on addiction, recovery, and support for the spouse. Or you can book a session. You can book a 90-minute strategic session. I only have, at the time of we're filming this, this week and next week available. And then we're, we're traveling a lot. So we're going... We're going on a road trip for Christmas. Then we're going on a cruise. Then we're going to Machu Picchu. We have a this lot hat's of things. going to be handy there. I know. I feel like it's a Machu yeah. Picchu hat. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get that session in, book it now. Go over to HeidiRain.com and, and schedule and secure that. Tomorrow, we're going to be back, I think, at 2 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about all the things you've done to try to control or fix this. And we're going to run through some of the things we've heard over the, the decade of us doing this work and maybe hear from you as well. What are some of the things that you have done to try to control and fix it? And really uh, what works and what doesn't? Because sometimes even though you don't have a lot of control, you do have major influence. So we do want to tell you those 
those things that you can do to move the needle in the direction that you want to go to restore peace, sanity, love, joy, and eventually happiness, right, to your family. So we love you so much. We hope that you found value here today. If you did, please do us a favor and like the video and leave a comment like you've been doing. It really helps us help more people. YouTube is a then, big place. Yeah, and then share it. If this is someone, maybe you could send this to someone and say, hey, you know, the, That'd be good. we know that, and here's what we found, it's, and this is, it's not a plug, it's just something that was really, it, it spoke to us volumes. When we were at the treatment center, some families would bring other families who had loved ones in other treatment centers to come to our well, we program. Did it live. And, yeah. and basically what Doug's talking about is we would do this live every single month with hundreds of families, but now we have it filmed on right. it virtually. So, but I was just sharing the power of sharing it too. Like, so like that, that if there's something that was of, of value, you go, Ooh, well, let, let's do that. Sorry. I didn't interrupt you. Sir. You didn't. I interrupted you. Yeah, it happens. Okay, guys, we love you. We hope that you have a beautiful, phenomenal day today. Whatever it is that you're doing, go through your day feeling more empowered, more equipped, more capable and able to navigate these lies. You're learning the lay of the land, the language a little bit more. And so be well, and um, we'll see you tomorrow. Love you. Okay, love you guys. God bless. Bye.